Welcome to the sermon podcast of Kusada Baptist Church. We want to be a lighthouse to guide you on your journey through life. Listen as our pastor, Dr. Jim Graham, shares a message from God's Word and offers sound biblical direction for your daily life. We are uh, in a series in 2 Kings uh, with stories from the prophet Elisha. And our, our premise or our theme has been, If You Believe. And the idea is this, that many people say they believe in God, but sometimes I go like, do you really? Do you really? Because if we believe in God, there are certain responses that we would definitely have if we believe. Uh, You know, if you believe that it's really cold outside, you'll probably put on a jacket. You know, if you believe that the traffic is bad on the way to where you're going, you'll probably leave a little earlier than normal. So if we believe certain things, we respond to those beliefs. So my question is, if we believe in in a God who is exactly who he says he is, then wouldn't we respond in certain ways? And here's kind of what we've looked at over the last few weeks. First, we've thought about what happens when God tells us something to do, but it's vague. It's vague. Well, you know the type of thing where he says in our stories, fill this valley full of ditches. Well, how many ditches is that? Or when he tells this, la- this lady, uh, get as many jars as you can. And we ask the question, well, how many jars would I get? Like, what, how would I respond? Do I really trust and believe and how far then would I go to respond to God? Last week, we talked about a different kind of problem. What happens... When God doesn't give us vague instructions, he gives us very specific instructions. Like when Elisha told Naaman, who was struck with leprosy, go to this particular place, get in the water there, and dip seven times. And we go like, I like specific instructions, but sometimes those instructions, and for Naaman, they, he didn't like the instructions. He didn't like the place, he didn't like you know, everything about it, and sometimes we're questioning God, going, why this, why this, why this? So will we obey when he gives us specific instructions? Now today, we're going to talk about a whole different problem with those things. What if the issue is not what God is telling us to do, but it's when? It's a timing issue. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I struggle more with the timing of stuff than I do with the what, you know? It it always seems like when I'm waiting for the good thing or I'm waiting for the repair for something that's broken or messed up, it never comes quick enough, you know? I want it to happen sooner, you know? And, And also the opposite of that, it seems like when something bad is approaching, it like it doesn't wait long enough. Like I don't want that to come yet. I don't want that problem uh, on me yet. Right? It's the timing. So what is God doing? But what I want to say this morning is that if you really believe that God loves you, that He cares about you, that He has a plan for your life, He has a purpose in everything, that He is this God that He says He is. If you really believe that, then you will trust His timing even when it's off from our timing. So let me tell you a story from Elisha. So a a couple of weeks ago, I told you the story of this lady who, uh, uh, she was poor, and she was running out of food, and she didn't know what to do, 
And that's the story where Elisha told her to get as many jars as you can. And that's in 2 Kings chapter 4. Well, right after that story, he tells the story of another woman. This woman's not poor, she's wealthy. And when he would travel through this area of, of the country and go by uh, her town, she hosted him. And this was her gift. Some, there's some people in this room, this is your gift. You're, you're a great host. You love to have people come into your home. You love to take care of them. You love to do for them. You love to, um, you know, just be a great host. And uh, you enjoy that. And she enjoyed that. She enjoyed taking care of Elisha. And she must have been a good cook. She must have been whatever she would feed him. And she let him know, anytime you're traveling through here, come by my house. I'll feed you. You can even stay here. Well, eventually, he would do that over and over again. She went and she, she talked to her husband and she said, you know, what we need to do is we've got an extra room upstairs. We need to fix this room up literally just for him. Not a guest room for anybody, a room for him. And they did. They furnished it and fixed it for him. And the next time he came through, they showed him the room and says, we want you to know this is your room. Anytime you're in this neighborhood, this neck of the woods, come and stay with us. You know, room and board. We'll feed you. We'll take care of you. Um, we, we want, this is our contribution to the ministry that God needs to do through you. We're going to provide this place for you. And so it was awesome. So he had this, you know, place to stay. And so he was like, well, I want to do something for you. And he says, how can I, as this prophet of God, what can I do for you? And uh, she's like, I don't know, you know. And she'd always wanted a child. And the scripture literally says, not only was she childless, but it says her husband was old. Feel bad for that dude. Like, I don't know, you know, like she wanted a kid, but <laughs> Junior over there is an old dude. Like, you know, and so she's like, I, you know, I've always wanted a child. My husband's old. What can I do? Right. And he said, by the power of God, this time, a year from now, you'll be holding your son in your hand. She said, don't tell me that. Don't get my hopes up. Don't tell me something like that. Don't, don't, don't. Ah, uh, you know. But sure enough, the next year, she was holding her son in her arms. Time passes. The little boy grows up. And he would go out to the field with his daddy. And uh, one day, he's out in the fields with his daddy working. And he just has this terrible, awful headache. And he tells his dad. And he just can't even function, you know, and... And uh, they grab him and they take him back to the house. And uh, his mom takes him and she's rocking him and she's trying to comfort him. But there's nothing they can do and his head's just pounding and pounding. And by lunchtime, he dies. So this son that she didn't even, you know, have any hopes that she would have, now he's passed away. And she does this weird thing. She takes him. And she goes up to, upstairs to the room that she had made for the prophet Elisha. And she lays him down on his bed. She goes outside. She gets on a donkey. And she takes off. And I'm like, what is she doing? Well, I know what she's doing. She's going to find him. She's going to find Elisha. So she heads to his home. 
and heads that way. And he sees her coming from a long, off, a long way off. The scripture says he lived up on this hill and he could see a long way off. And he immediately recognized who it was. And he sent a, a servant to go run out there and find out what was going on. So jobs change. Jobs change all through you know, life. There was a job in those days and it was called being a runner. And what it meant is if you were fast... They would literally use you for messages, okay? I mean, forget phone calls, forget text messages. The way it worked is, hey, Bubba, go run and ask them a question and run back and tell me what they said. So that's what he did. He says, run, go ask her. And there's three questions I want you to ask her. Because if she's coming towards me, something's wrong. So he said, ask her, number one, are you okay? Number two, is your husband okay? Number three... Is your son okay? He takes off, he runs. He asks her the three questions. She says, everything's fine. He comes back and he says, she says everything's fine. He goes, I know everything's not fine. The deal was, she didn't want to talk to anybody else. She just wanted to talk to Elisha. So she gets to him and she gets off the donkey. She runs up and she grabs him by the feet. And, and some of the people around him start to pull her off like, hey, what are you doing? And she, he's like, leave her alone, leave her alone. He's, what's wrong? And she said, I told you, don't get my hopes up. I told you. And yet, you gave me a son, and now he's gone. It can't be anything worse, you know, than losing your child. And so, he takes off right away. He says, I'm going to go deal with this right and so we know elisha has the power of god on him he speaks for god he's a prophet of god and uh he's done amazing miracles healing naaman of leprosy providing this lady with with you know enough oil to feed her family and take care of them for the rest of their lives he, he's done things like this and he goes back with her and in some does this prayer thing and all this stuff. And the, the boy who's dead and now has been dead for hours sneezes seven times and wakes up. And he brings him downstairs, gives him to the mom, says, here's your son. Crazy story. Wow. Resurrected from the dead. Now, let me fast forward. That's not really our story. That's not what this is about, Okay. Here's what it's about. A few more years pass, and Elisha's traveling through. He goes by this woman's house. He's still staying there. And he says, hey, I got bad news. There's a famine coming, an economic crisis, and, our, and, and things are going to get bad. And I want to advise you, you need to leave. You need to get out of this area for a period of time. Well, when you've gone through as much as she has and you've seen God act enough, you just say yes. Obedience gets easier. The more we've obeyed God and the more we've seen His power and the more we've seen what He's done in our lives, if you're following God, I think following God gets easier. I don't think life gets easier. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not sure life doesn't get harder in some ways. But following Him gets easier. Because you trust him more and more and more. Like he's going he's gonna to do 
what he, you know, he's going to do the right thing, right? And so she just loads up her family and they leave. They literally go to another country and live there for seven years. When they come back and they show up, somebody has squatted on her land. They've taken her home and her land and they're using it as if it's their own. And she's like, you got to get out of my house. And they said, this is ours. It's ours. Where have you been? It's ours. And they've taken over. And she doesn't know what to do, you know. And so she's got to appeal to, you know, legal things, go through legal channels. And their legal channels were to go to the king and ask for help. So she decides to go for help. Now, all she wants is to get her property back. She just wants her land and her home back. So that's what she's going and asking for. This is kind of what we go through sometimes. We, we have a situation, we have a need, and we, we know what we want, and so we ask for what we want, right? So she goes to the king. Now the king is holding court. And when a king holds court, what he does is he goes, sits in this room, he sits on the throne, and they bring people to him, and they ask for entrance. And if he allows them entrance, then they can appeal to the king for whatever their situation is. And <clears throat> but in between, let's say there's a lull, there's a gap, what, what I want to do, well, he wanted to entertain himself, and uh, so he might have someone to entertain him. And that day, Elisha's right-hand man was a guy named Gehazi, and he's in the court uh, uh, area. And he asked him, he says, hey, Tell me some Elisha stories. Tell me some stuff. You know, he's done amazing things. Like, tell me about him healing Naaman. Tell him about that woman with the jars. Like, tell, tell me some stories. And Gehazi goes, okay, I got a good story to tell you. And he tells him the whole story about the woman with the room with the boy who dies and is resurrected. He's telling him the story. The king's enthralled. He listens to the story. And at this very moment, the mama walks in. And so he goes like, dude, there she is, right? Like, this is the lady right here. The king goes, oh my gosh, you're the lady? He says, tell me the story from your perspective. She tells him the story. And he's like, what a great story, right? You know, that's amazing. Uh, Oh, by the way, what are you doing here? And she goes, well, I'm here. For personal legal reasons, uh, the people have taken over my property and I'd like my property back. He goes, done. Uh, Hey, you, you're assigned to her case. Take care of it. But I don't want you to just get her property back to her. I want you to go send an accountant over there. I want you to find out everything that those people have made profit off of her property. And I want you to give her all that money back. Thank you, God, right? Taking care of you. I want to talk to you today about timing. Timing. Because you see, this story sounds like things are going terribly. There's a famine. I had to leave. I've come back. There's a problem. We're saying, God, help me. But here's the God of the universe that goes, Let me set this up perfectly. I'm going to help you, and I'm going to make this happen at exactly the right time. That's who God is. Time seems like it's going the wrong way, 
But God can orchestrate whatever needs to take place. There's a pastor, and he was in uh, Mexico, and he was preaching at a conference. And as he's preaching at this conference, every day they're picking him up at the hotel and taking him to the conference center uh, to preach. And it's somebody different every day who's picking him up. And this particular day, this guy pulls up, and he's got one of those old-fashioned uh, Volkswagen Beetles. And he thought, oh, what a cool car. You know, this is awesome. And he gets in the car, and they're taking off, and he's doing what he does every time, every day when they're picking him up. He's trying to, you know, make casual conversation. He goes like, oh, tell me, you know, tell me about your, you. Tell me about your family. And he's talking to them as they're driving to the conference. And, uh, and he goes, well, tell me how you came to know Jesus. Tell, tell me about your relationship with Jesus. And the guy says, well, I've I got to be honest with you. My relationship with Jesus isn't very good right now. It's not great. And uh, he tells him about some things he's been through, some problems. And he goes, he starts telling him, listen, Jesus loves you. And Jesus can forgive those. And Jesus can heal that. And he starts telling him about the power of Jesus Christ in his life. And the guy starts crying. And, and the pastor says, like, dude, let's pull over on the side of the road, you know. And he pulls over. And they pray together. And it's awesome. And, and he looks at his watch. And he says, look, this has been awesome. But i got to get to the conference. I'm, I'm running late. He goes, the conference? We're headed to the airport. And he goes, airport? No, I don't leave till tomorrow. I'm going back to the conference to preach one more time. And the guy looks at him and says, you are Mr. Williams, aren't you? He goes, no, I'm Mr. Lundquist. And he was an Uber driver. He wasn't, he's gone, and he got in the wrong car. Or did he get in the right car? Because the God of the universe goes... He has a need, and he has the answer. And so I'm going to do something and put them together. And I'm sure on that day there's people at a conference going, something's all messed up. The timing is all wrong. But is the timing wrong, or is the timing right? See, our God is a God who's not constrained by time like we are. We kind of live in this structure where there's 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week and, you know, there's, there's months and years and all these things that are taking place. But God's not constrained by time. He doesn't live within time. He lives outside of time. Time is in Him. The Bible says He's from everlasting to everlasting. He was before the world and after. He was before time and after. We do pretty good wrapping our minds around a God who's beyond space. You know, God's everywhere. We're pretty good at that. We can go like, yeah, I can see that. I, got, I grasp that. God's everywhere. He doesn't have to be right here. But God is also not bound by this moment. God's not just everywhere. He's every when. God doesn't just know the future. God is in the future. Right now. God doesn't just know what happened to you. He's right now in that place. He's the ancient of days. He's the father of time. Now when the speed of God seems slow to us, or when His timing doesn't make sense, that's really hard for us. God time is different than man time. You know, sometimes we struggle with that in our, in our own time. 
Perlene's time and my time aren't the same time. I can just go ahead and tell you, you know. We go at different speeds with different things, right? Well, I assure you, if it's true between you and another person, you ever have the wrong time with people in your own house, you know? God's time's different than your time, too. And sometimes we struggle, we struggle to wait for God, to do what God wants to do. I struggle with it, I'll tell you. Sometimes things are happening, and I want to know why God's not solving that problem right now. He can do it. Why doesn't he come do it right now? Or there are things looming on the horizon. You're like, why can't this be delayed? Why can't this be delayed? If we're going to accept God's timing, we've got to be able to deal with two things. Humility and trust. I want to talk to you about humility for a second. Humility says, I know I find myself getting upset. I know I find myself being impatient. But I'm reminded that God is the one who put me here. And my life is not my own. And God doesn't owe me anything. We struggle with this, okay? So let's imagine a scenario. You go to work. You go to work every day. And you show up one day. And somebody has brought a box of donuts. And they've put them on the counter in the snack room and you love donuts and you're excited and on that day you're grateful you're grateful for donuts what a blessing this is awesome what a special day there's donuts right but let's say all of a sudden this new thing starts happening every day and every day there's donuts you start shifting gears and instead of being grateful you're comfortable it's like, yeah, there's donuts. In fact, you even grow to the point where you're expectant. You know, he's like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to get me a donut when I get to work because there'll be donuts there. And you expect there's donuts. And what one time, what one time you were very grateful for because it was something special, it's now become ordinary and you expect it to happen. And then another shift happens and we become entitled we think there's supposed to be donuts there. And one day you show up and there aren't donuts. And you go, where are the donuts? Who didn't bring the donuts today? I'm supposed to have donuts. I was counting on the donuts and there are no donuts. This is how we operate. This is what happens in our lives. And so God wants us to understand who he is and who we are. And if God were to just let your life just be smooth sailing and everything go fine, and he just blesses you and blesses you and blesses you, you know what happens to us? We come to think that we deserve it, it's supposed to be there, and we go, God, where are my donuts? So God doesn't do that. You know, God loves us and he's great. But life is hard. Life is hard. And we deal with difficult things. And we have to be humble enough to know that he's God and I'm not. There's a verse of scripture, a passage of scripture that I don't like. You know, there's some scriptures we love. You know, they talk about God's love and all these things. And we love those scriptures. And there's some scriptures we don't like. This is one of them because I think it's hard. It's from Luke chapter 17. And this is what it says. 
Jesus is speaking, and he says, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of the sheep, so the servant's been out working, doing stuff, right? And he comes in. Does the master say, hey, come on in and eat with me? He says, no. What he says is, come in, prepare my meal, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat, and then you can eat afterwards. Then he says, and does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? He said, of course not. In the same way, Jesus said, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Sometimes I think we look at God and instead of humility, we go, God, you owe me this. Or God, look what I've done. And God says, who are you? I'm God. You should thank me for being, having the opportunity to serve me. I do this. I don't know if y'all are aware of this. Let me share a little secret with you. Um, Herlene does everything in our house. Everything. She does everything, right? And occasionally, I will do something, okay? And when I do something and she comes in, I say, hey. And I expect her to go like, oh, Jim, you did something. Thank you so much, right? We do this with God. We need to understand something. When it comes to his timing, when it comes to what he's doing in our life, we need to understand that he's God and we're not. And we don't really understand why he's doing what he's doing. But God's timing is not about the things that we see. God's timing about, is about his purpose. What is his purpose? What is he trying to accomplish? And in his purpose, his timing is perfect. The writer of Ecclesiastes said, everything is beautiful in his time. And he does it according to his time. Now, when we're wrapped up in his purpose... We're able to say, God, I don't like this. I'm not enjoying this situation. This, this section of life right here is hard. But I trust you, and I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to say, whatever your purpose is, I want to seek that. And I want to be on board with your purpose. It's humility. And then I just said the other word, it's trust. And trust is really about two things. It's about acknowledging that God is powerful and God is loving. Let's talk about God being powerful. We have to believe that God is powerful. We have to know that God's in charge when stuff is happening. God's in charge. Things are not arbitrary. They're not out of His control. He's capable of both helping us and changing things. And much of our anxiety is because sometimes we forget that God is able. We're falling at His feet going, why did you give me hope? And God is able of raising that child. Like God can do these things. We're showing up going, somebody's, somebody's living in my house. How can I get my house back? And God has orchestrated that the moment you walk into the court, they're telling your life story, which is setting the table. God is powerful. He can do anything. He can set the table. And when we remember that God is able to do things, listen, and God, God set that up because I know she just wanted him to give 
I just want my house back. God says, no, I want, I want you to get your house back, and I want you to get all this money back that is owed to you. I, I'm going to give you more than you even think you can get. Like, I can handle it. I can do all kinds of things according to my plan and my purpose, if you'll trust me. He's powerful. Second thing, he's loving. He loves you. He cares about you. There's care and purpose to all that he does. It means that he's faithful to help us. It means that his judgment and timing are always perfect. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. There's a story about a man named Lazarus, and it says that Jesus loved him, not just like he loves everybody else. He was his friend. He was close to that family. And he got really, really sick. And so they sent word to him and said, Jesus, come, hurry up and come. Like this lady went to Elisha and said, come. And he went right away. But on this story, when he comes to Jesus and they said, hey, come, Jesus said, I'll come later. He just waits. I've always wondered what what they were doing during, during that couple of days while he waited. I think he was doing things that didn't even matter, you know. I can't come right now, me and the disciples, we've started this domino tournament, and we're in the middle of it, and we're playing a game. Like, like what, what's the reason he didn't show up? He just delayed. Now, what we know is that in that delay, Lazarus actually died. But we also know that when Jesus showed up, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, it must have seemed during all that time that this timing was terribly off. The disciples are going, why are we waiting? Mary and Martha, Lazarus' uh, sisters, are showing up going like, Jesus, where were you? Why didn't you come? To them, this timing is terrible. But to Jesus, the timing was perfect because it was fulfilling His purpose for His glory. We have to understand something. God's timing is not about my comfort. It's about His glory. God's timing is not about things working out for me. They're about... His glory. His purposes will be achieved. And if I get on board with His purposes, my timing is going to be all right. But sometimes we struggle. So let me remind you of just a few things. God's time moves at a different speed than ours. But God works all things at all times in all places, in all dimensions to accomplish His purpose. God has a purposeful time for everything and everything is beautiful in His time. And however God chooses to use our times, it's critically important that we learn to trust His timing over the unreliable things that shape our expectations. So would you join with me this morning as we worship Him? And as we do, I want you to think about something. I want you to think about the thing in your life that right now you're impatiently waiting, wanting something to be resolved, wanting something to be fixed, wanting God to show up, wanting God to change something and fix something. And can we just trust in this time that God's timing is perfect. That God's timing is going to take care of things when He receives the glory for it. And can I wait? Can I, in my impatience and my difficulty, wait and trust Him that He is powerful 
and that He is loving. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our prayer that it's been helpful in this part of your life journey. We invite you to join us at Kusada Sunday mornings for worship. Visit our website at kusadabaptist.org for directions and more information about our church.